Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the Social Psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have returning guest, Dr. Shelley Carr, who's on the show today to discuss her new book, Edgar Cayce's Egyptian Healing Methods. Dr. Kerr is considered one of the world's leading authorities on energy healing and mind-body medicine. She's authored numerous books, including Edgar Cayce's Guide to Gemstones, Minerals, Metals, and More, and Edgar Cayce's Sacred Stones, both published by the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is part of Edgar Cayce's foundation uh, following his death in 1945. This foundation has been around since 1933. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Dr. Kerr is a world traveler and a popular guest speaker. She's a leading expert on the practical use of gems and minerals to shift energetic patterns and frequencies. And she's trained thousands of energy healing practitioners during her many years in private practice. And there's been different healing modalities that she's developed, such as holographic mapping, before developing Edgar Cayce's Egyptian energy healing methods. A little background about Edgar Cayce. He was alive from 1877 to 1945. He's been called the sleeping prophet, the father of holistic medicine, and the most documented psychic of the 20th century. Casey gave readings to thousands of seekers while in an unconscious state, diagnosing illnesses and revealing past lives and prophecies yet to come. It's exciting to have Dr. Kerr on the show today. We have a brand new healing modality that's going to be introduced to our audience as well as the world through her book. It's truly a new and exciting healing technique that we are going to uh, be very excited about showcasing to our audience today. The Casey Foundation for Association uh, for Research and Enlightenment, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, asked Dr. Kerr to organize this massive collection of Casey readings into a single book. 
requesting this totally new and exciting healing technique. This book, Edgar Casey's Egyptian Healing Method, is available on Amazon, and Dr. Kara can be found online at www.pastlifelady.com. It's with great pleasure that I, rep- that I welcome Dr. Kara to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jason. Uh, it's just really exciting to have you back on and to have this topic because Edgar Casey, as I said throughout most of my episodes, is a very strong interest of mine. I think the fact that you are incorporating his readings into this new healing methodology is going to have a lot of importance for us in our modern days. When you look at where we are now, it seems to be that a lot of us are disconnected with our devices. We have the internet, we have social media, we have our smartphones. Yet, a lot of us seem to be disconnected not only from one another, but disconnected from Mother Earth and nature. And I bring that up at the beginning of this interview because I noticed you discussed that in your book. And I wanted to ask you, as a starting question, how did you um, observe the Edgar Casey Egyptian healing method as a means to combat one's disconnected state with our modern technology. In other words, I'll rephrase that. What would you suggest or what have you found from the Edgar Casey Egyptian healing method that can combat our disconnectedness in this world because of modern technology? That's probably the best way to phrase that question. I am totally on board with what you're saying, Jason. I mean, we have got an epidemic on our hands here of people being addicted to their devices. I I was really against a lot of these technologies a long time ago. And at one point I literally threw my hands up and I had disconnected um, my Facebook page and, <laughs> and I, you know, people thought <laughs> I went crazy, but I just always thought this has got to be bad, you know? And I think that we're seeing now years later, the results of what happens to us when we are so plugged in. I mean, People are unhappy. We've got just a lot of different kinds of challenges. And so I think that people are looking for something to help them. And most specifically how it relates to this particular method is the fact that when I was working with this, um, there's a set of symbols. Basically, the book's divided into two halves. One is Edgar Casey on all the wonderful things he said about energy and and in general, and then the second half of the book is this brand new healing modality. And when I worked with these symbols, the final symbol in this set basically sets the person's energy field into a spinning motion that goes counterclockwise, which I was guided, like, why is this happening? And what I'm guided is, is that our planet is also rotating in a counterclockwise direction. And this method for the people that I've done this for seems to have a great uh, grounding benefit of bringing them back into alignment with earth. It's helping people get reconnected in their bodies. And I've had people just literally say, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I feel more calm. And so that's you know, we that's not saying this is the end-all, be-all, but we all need to think about different ways to get off of our devices, like you said. We need to be out smelling the roses, literally, and getting back in touch with real people in real time. 
what I love about what you just said. I, I was eating lunch earlier before our interview today, and I was in a crowded restaurant, and I looked around. I had my smartphone in front of me checking emails or whatever. Every single person in front of me was down on their phone, and there were people seated in groups of people at the table. So let's say there's a small square table of people, a party of four, all four on their phones, no one communicating right in front of each other. They're probably re, re, um, reacting to each other's posts on social media. But when they're in front of each other, that's not happening. It's like what you said, our natural lines of communication that we're used to, um, verbal expression, body language, all those kind of things that we gauge from an, our own evolution has changed now or is changing at this point. I, I would find that very interesting in, in terms of that. Secondarily, I'm looking at this, and what I like about energy healing and energy work is it's available to all of us. This isn't something that only a select few of us have at our disposal. I wanted to ask you regarding energy work itself, and I know you have a lot of experience with it. When you started researching and getting involved with this project, did you find that there was a lot of similarities with your prior experience with other energy healing modalities like Reiki? And when you compare it to the Egyptian energy healing method, was that something that there were a lot of similarities with each other? Or how do they differ? Wow, you've said a lot, my friend. Oh, I could go into this whole thing about this book that I heard of. Um, I'm going to answer all that that you just said. Um, there's a book no <laughs> that someone recommended called Alone Together, and it was talking about the fact that exactly what you just described, we're together, but we're not together and there is an epidemic of unhappiness and I recently spent some time in a Buddhist monastery in a silent retreat and the whole teaching revolved around the fact that in order to find happiness and peace in this life we have got to turn inward into our bodies and be connected you know in the now in order to be happy and peaceful and healed and things like that and and um so when I'm working with energy healing, I think I think it's just helping people, for those who are attracted to it, it is helping you tune in, quiet down, and focus on the moment in the body. How does this feel? And it's so, so important. And you know what's been so interesting? I've written three books for the Edgar Casey Foundation, Jason, and I love the work there. But the truth is, I don't ever set out really to to write a book for them. Usually I'm in the life readings looking up something when something just basically hits me in the head. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and how this book came about was I was researching something else. I can't even tell you what I was doing. I saw a reading where Casey basically laid out um, a series of symbols and it just kind of hit me in the head. Oh my gosh, this looks like a healing modality. And so when I was developing it, I have um, a test group of people both who came into my office and people who were receiving distant healing from me for about a year on this. So the whole process from start to finish with this book, uh, definitely a good five years in the making or more. Um, but when I was really starting to work with people to do the writing of the book, and then since the book was released at the beginning of June, I've just been out at Expo after Expo and teaching all these classes and running all over town. Um, doing this process for people. It's a very fast little process that I mentioned earlier. It, it seems to be grounding people, spinning their field, and putting a big ball of light around the energy field. And 
it, it has been a real challenge um, for me because I have been teaching healing for 20 years. And so when I was writing the book and, and I saw the symbols and I'm trying to write the book, I really, really want to be able to say that these symbols are in direct correlation with the seven traditional chakras that we have come to know, the seven energy centers and that relate to colors. And so the first half of the book, I do talk about those traditional chakra centers. But the truth is when I actually start working with this Casey system, what I've discovered is that it is completely different than any other healing method that I've ever worked with before because it does not – the symbols can't be related to anything um, specifically with ch chakras. They do different things. And the other thing is on my YouTube channel, I've got like a demo of me showing people how to do a Reiki session. And how we were always taught is like there's a person on a massage table. We're going to fluff up their energy field, and we're going to try to get them up out of their body. Like 20 years ago, everybody needed an escape. Now everybody doesn't know how to stop escaping and so instead of going and working those fields on the outer, moving towards the inside, the Casey system, actually, you're, you're supposed to bring these symbols inside the body, putting them in the top of the head, running them down the spine into the legs. So it's from head to toe, and it's inside the body, and the, inside, and the internal shift creates the light that it gets established around the field. And so it's a completely opposite of how I've been teaching Reiki or I um, developed another method in the early 2000s also that I wrote that one along the lines of how I would do Reiki because it was very easy for people to understand. But really, you know, I don't have to tell you that the last 20 years there's been a lot of changes in the world and guess what? The changes are continuing. So we can't really expect <laughs> that the things that worked in the past obviously aren't working anymore. So we've got to make changes and it was hard for me to have to admit that, but I can tell you clearly that I know without a doubt this is completely different than Reiki. It's very fast, a lot faster, um, and it is these are very, very um, multidimensional advanced symbols here that were talked about by the source through Edgar Casey like 100 years ago, Jason. I mean, this is unbelievable. It's amazing. Amazing. No, <laughs> I'm excited. This Absolutely. works. Absolutely. Let me tell you this, looking at your book, because I look at a lot of different books, your book I like because you put in the original source, you put in the information from Reiki's re, uh, from Casey's reading in there, and then you interpret it and you boil it down to make it easy for the average reader to understand the points from the, the, the particular section or what you are describing. One of the things I saw after I was looking through the first part of your book, this resonated with me, and I got to share this with the audience. You were talking about energy work. And I love this one sentence because I feel like it summarizes pretty comprehensively what anyone who studies this stuff is trying to aspire to. And you say here, and it's on page, I believe it's page two of your book, second paragraph. And I just want, I know you, you, you're familiar with this, but I want you to hear it because it really resonated with me. And I want, I want our audience to hear this. Energy work is a massage for the soul, consciously moving energy around to bring the body into a state of wellness and our minds and spirits into a place of peace. When I saw that, it really resonated with me. And I think you describe this entire aspect of it in that one sentence. And I wanted to see if you had any additional points to make regarding that quote, because I was really, I mean, I, I know you talk about the importance of balance in the mix of all that, but I really liked 
what, how, how succinctly you describe such a comprehensive area. Wow, well, thanks. Um, I don't specifically remember writing that sentence, but it sounded pretty interesting. Okay. <laughs> but I can't say I really like it. It is a massage for the soul. I mean, that's the thing. We, And I think that's – when we're talking about the things we're talking about tonight, I just, I just want people to be happy. You know, your soul needs a massage. We all need that. It's a, something that you give to yourself by turning your attention – away from Twitter, Netflix, whatever, in going inside and um, just paying attention to what's inside, the energetic part of the self, not the physical self, the part of you that's, you know, infinite, that's been around before, you're going on from here. The deepest parts of the self, I think, can be accessed through energy healing, through we talked about like meditation and, and all the different things people can do, but um, just doing really simple little processes like this can really be nurturing to the part of ourself that wants to be paid attention to that I feel in this society that we're living in right now is starving for attention and feels, I think we all feel like, okay, well, I'll just go watch a TV show or I'll go into this movie or this book and I'll be able to escape in this world. And I think I used to do a lot of that myself. And I've just found that it, it doesn't bring the lasting happiness. It's I I had started um, a couple of years ago. I switched gyms. I work out like a couple times a day. I've been doing this for a long time. But I switched gyms. It was really hard to do. I just wanted to switch my routine. And I started taking a Zumba class. And this has a point to Casey, because in the book he talks about dancing is definitely one of the things that yeah. is discussed in this book. And what was so weird, you go to the Zumba class, the teacher's up on the stage, and she's got this big frowny face, and she's going, you know, stomping around the stage, looking down at us, like, making fun of us, basically, going, how in the heck are you standing out here dancing with these frowns on your face? And she goes, how, you know, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Asking people, how are you feeling? And that's a great question that we should all be asking ourselves. And I started realizing, my God, I don't even think I'm smiling. And I think we're just kind of in this apocalyptic zombie mode a lot of the time. And, and so it started making me go, my gosh, I don't think I feel like smiling. And so I started forcing myself into smiling. And then, you know, you're, you're baking it until you make it. You start doing some movement. The energy starts to move, and then over time, um, I've noticed my own personal happiness just exponentially growing. And a lot of the things that are in this book on a more energy healing standpoint, I mean, Zumba is a very mainstream thing, but it's a similar thing that that the body has to start moving, and ener that's how energy gets flowing. It doesn't necessarily mean we need to be in a meditation chamber, you know, humming om all the time, but just getting up away from those electronics being in a room with real people and dancing and having fun and playing and and doing all the things that, that bring joy to the people. I mean, there's a lot of joy created in, in these places with people from just all different backgrounds just getting together to dance and have a great time together. And for me, it's it's made a huge impact on my overall happiness. And so when I'm thinking about energy healing and how it, it just all ties together, all of this is energy, the movement, the dance, music, um, actual healing symbols and working with the energy fields around the body is all designed with the ultimate goal, yes, that, 
you know, of happiness. What is that? That's different for you than it is for me. But it's a it's a feeling of peace that comes from somewhere deep within ourselves that unfortunately I think we're we're all looking for it, but we're just simply not finding it. And we're not gonna find it outside of the self, unfortunately. It's an interesting point you raised dancing because I know any type of movement with the body, it seems like helps to recenter it or help your body get back to the focus of what we're supposed to be doing. If you're the vibration, so to speak, the frequency. Can you explain to our audience what Casey meant when he discussed the vibrational frequencies of the body and how that works into aligning ourselves and seeking balance? Yeah, the Casey material was really some of the first stuff um, that really talked deeply about the fact that you're, even though you look like a physical uh, entity, as he called you, um, in the physical plane, you are actually a spiritual being that is made up of a combination of atoms and vibrations. And so all of the dis-ease within the body um, can be remedied by simply working with the vibrations. And so the, the life readings, when Casey would go to sleep, he went into trance, he didn't remember anything of what he was saying, he would give people very detailed messages about things that they could do to enhance their vibration. A lot of my books are about the stones. Like he would say, okay, if you place a stone on the physical body, let's say you use a lapis, if we're talking about Egypt, then by having that lapis stone pressed against the skin, it's actually going to make a vibrational impact and shift the vibrational frequency around your body to alleviate challenges that you might be facing that are left over from your past lives during Egypt, for example. Or he would suggest different uh, internal remedies, different oils, different things that people could do to just shift the body a little bit. And then healing could eventually be achieved after a little shifting. So whatever you do to get that shifting going, um, Casey certainly had many recommendations about how to do that. I think that's great. I wanted that um, your 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 book also does a great service to anyone looking to read and learn about this stuff because it prevents a very I, I feel like it presents a very comprehensive overview of these various different types of um, tools uh, such as gemstones, crystal healing, those type of things, the use of pendulums, oils, be it essential oils or whatnot. Salt and breath work. And I want to ask you, out of those different ones, I know you're, you've got a lot of experience with gemstones and colors. Um, which of these tools did you find from your review of this and your background when you looked at the, the current new method that you're, you're discussing in our book today? Which of these tools did you find go hand in hand with the new modality from your experience? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the gemstones really is not as um, necessary in this new method. I would say pendulums, muscle testing, breathing, things like that, more um, non-tangible things are much more in alignment with this new modality. There's okay. there's a section in the book where I, I've been a huge fan of the pendulum for many years or the idea that we can actually get in touch with the deepest parts of ourselves and make decisions by entraining what I call the rock on the rope, <laughs> where you train your yeah. little 
pendulum to say yes or no and to answer basic questions, and you can get in touch with a deeper part of yourself that sometimes gets clouded over by all this technology and distractions that we have in the life. And then one of the things I thought was really cool that I had not read before, because every time I open these readings, you know, and I'm writing one of these books, I'm learning new things every minute because there's so much information with 14,000 readings. We're just simply not going to get through all of this in a lifetime. So he talked about breathing, which in light of what you and I are talking about tonight, that's just like the most important thing, obviously, that anybody can do. And he, he was talking about um, the different nostrils and how they connect, like the left nostril being more spiritual in nature and the right one being more physical in nature and how these need to be balanced and how you could alternate nostrils or you could stand on your toes and hold your breath for a minute and exhale forcibly and just, again, with with some slight movements and things. And sometimes I think um, in this overwhelming society, that's one thing we definitely don't do enough of uh, is just stop for a minute close our eyes for even a second and just take a deep breath and just just be still close our eyes shut shut those computer screens off and stop looking at the phones for a second even that can be very very powerful definitely let me ask you this i didn't get a chance to get into your background regarding egypt and i know that you have a lot of experience with past lives and understanding them I wanted to ask you regarding your personal experience, and I know that you had uh, a very transformative experience on one of your earlier trips to Egypt around 2000, and I wanted to see if you could share that experience with our audience in light of your current project that you have with Edger Casey's Egyptian Healing Method and how it came to be. Yeah, I hadn't really talked a lot about this through all these years, but um, so ever since the Casey book came out, I realized that I was going to need to talk about some things that happened when I went to Egypt back in June of 2000. First of all, I'll say that nobody in their right mind goes to Egypt in June. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I got a vibe, and I went over there. Um, it was, at times, 130 degrees outside, so... You know, I went on an ice cream diet, basically. <laughs> That's all I could eat. <laughs> and, um, but in terms of my past lives, like, my understanding, I've always believed in past lives since childhood. But in terms of my actual understanding of a lot of metaphysical things, it just wasn't in my conscious awareness. I really felt like when I was in Cairo in particular, I, I started having nightmares of of the pyramids being built and a lot of suffering and I I really thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown and so by the time I got down to Luxor I had an exact opposite feeling I felt like I loved everyone there it was the greatest place I'd ever been to Um, the men actually invited me to the hookah bar where I enjoyed some apple tobacco and one of those weird hookah things, you know, that women are not allowed in these places. They just invited me in. I was having this great time. I was convinced I was going to go ahead and build a house and just live on the Nile and I never wanted to leave again. And so subsequently over the years, I I had started writing books about spontaneous past life memories. I didn't really realize that I was actually having one at that time. But when I came home from that trip, um, I had also visited Greece, and I drove up the coast of Turkey uh, in a 
in a beat-up rental car. Again, nobody in their right mind does these things. Yes, I understand that. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's another story. Uh, so I, I came home, and shortly after, I basically started becoming really tuned in. I started hearing an inner voice, and the voice told me that there was something wrong with my heart. I was not going to live much longer. And one night, I lifted up out of my body, and I went into a tunnel of light. And not through any accidents or anything, but I I was just there. I saw a bunch of beings of light who I can't really remember much. The one that I really remember was my dad's mother, my grandmother. Um, I was very sick as a baby. I wasn't expected to live. And my grandmother passed away shortly after my birth, and then suddenly I made a miraculous recovery. And so I've always felt like she'd been a guardian angel to me, but I didn't realize it until I saw her there. And it was all very cerebral and, you know, nonlinear. And basically I was told to go back. And when I came back from that, I was very hypersensitive to sounds. And I started having just this rush of energy coming out my hands. Um, I could lay my hand on my arm and I could draw energy off. And it was just this big shifting download. I don't even know how to describe it. My left leg, it felt like there was an energy just shooting out my left leg, out of my left foot. It was about the circumference of a of a tree trunk. And I was having a complete shift. And so basically, everyone thought I'd had some kind of a weird nervous breakdown. They did take me to the hospital uh, shortly after the medical part of it. And my heart was barely beating. But after leaving me under observation for 24 hours, they basically just chalked it up as a, quote, virus, and then they sent me home. They didn't know what was wrong with me, and then that's when I had this big energetic shift. I think the family probably thought I was nuts. Um, I came back to Texas. I started studying energy medicine. I took Reiki. I took, I've taken a lot of these different training classes, and then I was going to go get a PhD or a master's in psychology, probably because I needed a psychologist, um, <laughs> but during that time... <laughs> I I thought, you know, I'm taking a statistics class and a psychology class. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's things in this world, Jason, as you know, that we can't comprehend with our logical minds. And so it was pointed Correct. out to me that there was this uh, Ph.D. program. I went into that. And then a few years later, uh, that is related to this as well, I was I started doing energy healing professionally. So I've been doing it for a long time. And I was going to be a guest healer at a spa out in Santa Fe. And I was born in Albuquerque, so I was out driving my car to New Mexico, and I was really tired, so I stopped in a rest area. I closed my eyes for a minute, and all of a sudden I saw this, like this blue, bright blue woman, alien-shaped face with these big brown eyes right in my inner vision, like I thought I was having some kind of a nightmare. I opened up my eyes, I looked around the rest area, nobody's there. So I just I just went on to the spa, and I get to the front desk, and the girl behind the desk goes, oh, my gosh, there's a blue lady standing behind you. And I said, oh, my gosh, I wasn't going to tell anyone about that. I thought I had gone nuts. And she goes, oh, no, she's here. She's going to teach you some things. And so it's just a long story. I hit my head on a car door. I started speaking the language of light. Um, I went out into the night sky. I wrote down these little symbols that were getting illuminated in the stars in the night sky. And then this turned into a healing system that that I called galactic healing. And um, okay. it was linked to ancient Egypt. And then really at the time, 
Uh, everyone thought I was crazy. It wasn't well received. And so I basically just put it away. And then the gemstone thing started getting very, very popular. And I had a psychic tell me, you know, you will come back to this. And I thought, well, okay, I won't hold my breath. But when the Casey thing came <laughs> down so clearly, I mean, I was just reading. It kind of popped out of the – I don't know how to say it. This sounds insane, but it's like a hologram. I just saw the whole thing as a whole. And I said, oh, my gosh. I just feel like these things are related somehow. Um, I feel like in the last 10 years, everybody seems to be more open to the idea that maybe we're we're communicating with ETs. Lots more people are into Egypt and healing and all these things that they certainly were not when I first started this. And so I feel like um, this this is no accident. I I know that people need this stuff. Um, They need to become more aware of different things that we can do to balance the body before medical attention is required, you know. And so it's all happening for some reason, Jason. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Self-healing is amazing. Galactic healing, that's a term I haven't heard before. So the woman, that the blue woman with the brown eyes, is that serious or is that the, the alien serious or is that someone else? I always believed that this woman was from Sirius because a friend of mine who was in the gem business with me, his girlfriend was channeling what she called the Syria family from Sirius. And she was an artist and she drew this painting called Ilea in the woods. Well, in the I have a book called Galactic Healing and in there I've channeled this message from this blue woman. And she told me that her name was Ileana and the spelling was the same as the painting that this woman had painted. So I said, oh my God, this must be the same thing. But recently, uh, one of my Casey book fans had brought up the fact that Edgar Casey had a tie to Arcturus. And so my guides told me, go on the internet and see what that looks like. And now I'm seeing these blue beings with brown eyes might be Octurian, but whatever they are, I know it sounds crazy, but I was contacted by these things and I, they are friendly. I mean, I think of them as friendly and there does seem to be over 60 readings in the Casey readings uh, related to Octurius. Um, Somebody had suggested that Agar Casey was an Octurian, but I've officially received the word from the foundation. That's not exactly the, that's not the case. But there, there is um, apparently some readings that I'm going to need to go through more that discusses Octurius as a gateway and like a interdimensional gateway into other places and planets where we can go. And that Casey was offered the opportunity to go to other planets, but he came to Earth around his time of Rata, because the whole Egypt book is basically talking about the source that Casey channeled when Casey went to sleep. You know, he's a he's a devout Christian. He's a regular person, okay? This is not stuff he's just trying to come up with. He would never have come up with this, but he was told that he was a high priest named Rata who basically exiled from Mount Ararat, which is in the eastern part of Turkey, and came down into Egypt And so there's a whole series of readings where he lays out what the temple looked like in the interior. He talks about the healing rituals in the temple. And these symbols that were mentioned were part of these times in ancient Egypt. And so there's some connection there to him not going to Octurius and choosing this other life. I mean, I just know it's connected somehow. 
there, there's no accident that I've written all these books. I mean, I, I don't know what all of our connection is because I think we're here in the river of forgetfulness for a reason, and we're probably not going to understand all of it. But I know that it's really powerful information, and I really believe for the people who are attracted to it that it can actually really assist them in balance. Definitely. One of the things I found interesting about your book that I wanted to talk about is under Part 5, Anatomy of a Session, you actually talk about healing ethics. And I, I wanted to see if you could share that a little with our audience. There was a, uh, an example I think you discuss as, as an anecdote, uh, a son who had a mother who came to you about her son who had a, 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 an inoperable tumor in his throat. And she requested for you to go visit with her son to try to do some energy healing with him. And I know from the book, it, it sounds as if you went there and then you picked up from him that he wasn't really and I'm, I'm living a little, so I could be a little, I might misparaphrase. I don't want to do that, but I wanted to basically see if you can get into the substance of that and, and, and kind of give us a little overview, because I, I found that to be a very interesting point that you made at that part of the book about healing ethics. Yeah, that was um, still one of the cases for the ages. Um, I had a radio talk show on a station here in Dallas where I live. And a woman heard me on the radio, and her son was had a, had a throat cancer, basically. And I intuitively, she wants, of course, me to come over and help him out. I just sensed, you know what, this isn't going to work. I, I said, before I agree to come over there, I want you to go ask him, and then you can call me back and let me know what he says. But, of course, she said that he said, yes, I want her to come. Okay, fine. So I show up over there, and how I know... Well, I show up to the living room, and I say to him out of my mouth, mouth to mouth here, um, you know, I don't. if you don't want to do this, that's okay. I'll turn around and leave. And he's saying, no, that's fine. Go ahead, you know. And so it kind of gets to the point that there's a conscious aspect of ourselves and there's a higher self. So when I begin to attempt to send a healing, it didn't take me long to realize that absolutely nothing was happening. Why? Because the higher self had a different agenda than the conscious self who was trying to make his mother happy. So I was literally getting ready to to say, hey, this isn't working. God bless you. And and walk out when his he popped into my mind's eye, but he looked totally different. Like he looked like he was in a suit and very dressed up. And, and I said, oh, I didn't even recognize him at first. And I said, well, how may I serve you or how may I help you? And he said, well, you know, I'm just basically doing this to make my mother happy, but I'm really, you know, I'm ready to go. And I said, yeah, I kind of was getting that. Um, so would you be, would you like me to at least try to help you feel more comfortable? Because he was having a really hard time breathing. And he goes, oh, well, could you do that? And I said, well, yeah, I could, sure, of course, I could try. And he goes, oh, okay, great. Try, give that a shot. Okay. And then all of a sudden I start feeling all this energy coming out of my hands. And I think the problem, I mean this in a good way, healers, but, you know, of course we want everyone to get well. Of course we want all the best things for everybody. But the reality is that on this planet, in this business model, you know, we've got a time to live and we've all got a time to go. And so, and I think also the healer likes to get real involved even though we're not supposed to be doing that, we get involved in the outcome. Like we want this guy to have this miraculous healing and to live for 30 more years, 50 more years, however long he can do it. 
But the reality is, you know, the soul is so complex. And so I don't ever think it's valid for me to just say, uh, hey, Jason, can I give you a healing today? Because what your mouth says and what your soul say are two different things. And the only way that that can be accessed is by talking directly to the higher self. And that's done, you know, telepathically, if you will. Um, if if no energy is coming out of my hands, then I know nothing's happening. And, any, and even if energy is coming out of my hands, I mean, the prayer that I tell my students to say is, you know, you are free to accept or reject this healing. May higher will be done. And the truth is, I don't know what higher will is for you because guess what? It's none of my business. I am supposed to be just a channel of energy who is just, you know, you're like a like a little garden hose. I'm just the garden hose. I'm just standing here. This is not from me. It's just through me to another person. And so the more neutral we can be in that, the better. And so when we're talking about ethics, I mean, yes, I, in, a, in the ideal world, of course, I want to ask you if you'd like a healing, and you'd tell me, of course, and then it works, and that's wonderful. But the reality is we have to go deeper than that because it's just not always going to happen like that. So who I'm contacting is the highest self, and I'm also saying Again, here's an example. Is the guy going to be more comfortable? Great. Then there was a healing that happened there that hopefully was beneficial, but it wasn't exactly, it wasn't attached to any outcome that I had, and it certainly wasn't attached to the outcome that this gentleman's mother had because a couple weeks later, of course, he did make his transition. So I think that that's really a point that all healers just kind of need to think about. We are we are typically very loving people who want to help everybody and to the best of our abilities, we will, but we just have to stay out of our way and let the universe do the work. Well, it seems like in that example, you helped ease and make the person comfortable, which is always an aspect of healing as well. And recognizing ethically that we are instruments and we're limited. We can't perform everything so that we have to know our limits. That's what I got from my review of that stuff, which I thought was very informative. <clears throat> Thank you. I, I, I did some time in hospice oh, also. And in hospice, of course, that's a different intent also. You're making people comfortable so they can make a transition. It's a different energy. So anyway. Absolutely. Anything to do that. I wanted to ask you about your teeth, I'm sorry, leaf reading experience in New Delhi that you experienced when you went there for a conference. Because I thought that was a phenomenal (laughs) anecdote that I hadn't seen or heard about before. And it was really interesting to me. I'll see if you can share with our audience. Yeah, this is, another weird thing that happened um several years ago i was in new delhi and i was presenting my past life work at an international congress of regressionists and we all checked into the hotel and i had a roommate and she just mentioned that she was going to go have her naughty leaves read in the south of india after the conference was over and something about when she was talking about this i just said oh my gosh you know i want to have that done can we do it here in delhi and she goes well i don't know so Long story short, yes, we could. So myself and a group of ladies who I I theoretically had never met before in my life, in this lifetime anyway, we hop into a taxi and we're weaving around Delhi and we wind up this place where we walk into the lobby and we put our thumbprints into a pad of paper. They don't want your name. They don't want to know anything about you. You don't say a word to them. You just give them your thumbprints. They rip it off the paper and then they go upstairs and they go looking for something. And they bring them downstairs. And through a process of elimination, basically, what they're doing is um, 
a couple thousand years ago in India, there was a village, the one that the woman was going to go to in the south of India, where they, they decided that, that they wanted to write down the soul records of everybody who lived in this village at the time. And so they talked about their past, present, and future, and they wrote it down on these little scrolls that they call the Nadi leaves. And so my understanding uh, in hindsight is that this has to do, if you are one of the people who has these, which obviously there's only a couple thousand people maybe in the whole village. I don't, I don't even know how many people they claim lived in the village at this time, but there's very few people that have it. It has to do with the the design on your thumbprint. So they take your thumbprint, they pull a set of leaves, and then they start doing process of elimination. So they'll start asking you questions. They've got a, a person speaking in Tamil in the ancient language and then a translator. So he might be going, blah, 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 you know, and then bam. And then he'll say, like, you know, your name is George. And you go, nope, okay, great. And then they'll they'll toss that one aside and they'll keep going down until they find your records. So during this time... They went through a few, and then finally they started saying stuff like, your mother was named for a Greek goddess, which theoretically she was, but she doesn't go by her first name. But the thing that really almost scared me to death and kicked me out of my chair was when the guy's going, blah, 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 you know, in, in some language, blah, 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 Mickey. Mm-hmm. And then the translator goes, your father's name is Mickey, and my dad's name <laughs> is Mickey. <laughs> And it was in the record. And I said, holy cow. And it said some things about my brother. And I was like, OMG, I think this is real. So you say, okay, that's it. So then they set a time, you come back, and then they read your leaves. And they basically are going to tell you your past, your present, and your future. And so like one of my friends, who I'm still friends with to this day, she got so scared about the idea that they were going to tell her, the future that she acquired a shaking fever and was too ill to go pick up a reading. And I ended up getting it for her and brought it back to the hotel. And I don't think she ever even read it, but when they went through mine, they kind of, they hit some high highlights into my past lives, some stuff in the current life. And then they actually told me some things about the current life future and they hit some marks. Um, and then they kind of, they don't specifically say when you're going to die, but they kind of hit some beats. I, I don't. It's kind of like a, a piece of music. You just feel some extra rhythm during certain times as, as they're kind of weeding through this thing that I have a feeling, you know, that I am going to have a very long life. And so in some ways it brought me a lot of peace because if I'm on a bumpy flight, for example, then I don't get scared that the plane's going to crash anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but then also... Um, they did tell me that when I'm when I came to be the age range that I am now, that that things are going to become more prominent for me. Because the last ten years prior to even when, you know, when you and I talked, maybe the ten years prior to that, let's just say, because you and I talked the first time about a year or two ago, you know, I was kind of yeah. out doing other things during that time, and so some of the things they've said have kind of hit the mark in a way, but it's it's more of like. Um, maybe like a roadmap, like we're going to go to California, we're going to maybe make a couple stops along the way, but other things are kind of up for grabs. But the whole thing philosophically kind of um, kind of messed me up for a long time because I, I was presenting research in a parallel world, the fact that, you know, every time you make a decision, there's another choice that's sitting in the unified field that you didn't make. And so I was really teaching people how we can really empower ourselves with our choices and our thinking and and then once I had my leaves read, 
it really kind of scared me and it made me think that maybe what I was thinking about wasn't exactly right because because they really do believe that certain things in your life are written and they're predestined, kind of like in Slumdog Millionaire where he kept saying, it is written, it is written. And so I've kind of come to peace about this, but I think one of the reasons why I literally left this business for 10 years and went to kind of do other things. I was always doing readings. I was always writing books every now and then, but mentally and emotionally I kind of had to step away from this for a while because I think it really kind of messed me up. Because I, I I can't tell people things if I don't really believe in them. And so now I'm kind of on the other side of that. And my recent trip to this Buddhist monastery where I sat in prayer and meditation for over eight hours a day and fasted and stuff uh, on a cushion in silence, I, I had some real epiphanies about this that I feel have finally closed the loop for me on that whole thing. I, I I've come back to the things that... I was talking about in the early 2000s, and I know that they're true now. Um, I know that thoughts are things. I know that energy is stored holographically in our bodies because when I was in there meditating in silence, there were times, Jason, where I could feel, they would say, no matter how much pain you're in, they just wanted you to hold still, and your only direction is to breathe in your nose. And I felt things just get up and twist off of my body, you know. And so I know these things are real. And I, I guess I've come to some kind of balance of my thinking where I, I do believe that there are certain things that we have prearranged to experience before we arrived on this planet, but that other things are still up to our own personal empowerment and choice. But I do think that certain people we're supposed to meet and, and certain things we're supposed to do because we came here with a plan and we're trying to work the plan after dipping in this river of forgetfulness where we don't remember everything that we signed up for here. Absolutely. I I like what you're saying because we, a lot of the stuff that we're bringing up right now, um, multiple versions of reality, past lives, predetermined versus free will, (laughs) understanding our larger place in life. A lot of these, these resonate especially where we are right now. I feel like there's that renaissance that's going on with, with understanding these different modalities and how they can impact and help our lives. I, I, I would say that when it comes to what you were teaching in the early 2000s, you probably were ahead of your time at that point, and now everything's caught up to that. So now it becomes – it's more like what you were talking about 15 years ago. It sounds like society's ready to, to, to be able to tune into that with open arms compared to, say, the early 2000s, which back then – People weren't as as compelled to understand Egyptian healing per se, or, or understand a lot of these concepts. I think just from my own observations in the last ten years, society is becoming much more open about these different concepts. And I think as we go forward, it's even going to become more as we become more as I think traditional science will eventually align itself with metaphysical principles. Once you can prove energy is infinite and we're all made up of energy. We're already starting to do that. I, I, I think in, in lines of your journey, you're, we're all messengers, right? We're all providing information. And I think you have a, a very strong message that resonates because of the different experiences that you can call upon with your, your book and your other works. Um, in reference to this particular modality and energy healing, in, in light of what Casey and what you've experienced studying his, his readings and your personal experiences themselves, 
one of the things I wanted to ask you is if I'm a, if I'm a member of the audience and I've never done any energy healing at all, and I'm listening to this for the first time, and it really resonates with me when I'm listening to this, what steps would you recommend to someone listening to this show who doesn't have any experience with any of this? How would you advise them to take up this modality, learn about it? What steps would you recommend to an average person that doesn't have any background at all with any of this? The thing I love um, is teaching the beginners, and I've always loved that, and I still love it. And so I've tried to make every one of my books super, super simple with, like, real-world analogies um, so that even if you've, like, like a lot of people have taken the Reiki modality because that's very popular, but, you know, a lot of the people who come to see me, Jason, they haven't taken anything, just like you said, and so I've tried to make it, if you start with the beginning of the book talking about, like, what is energy, why do we care, what are these fields within and, and outside of our body, and then you look at different tools, and, and I really walk you through, like, how to say a prayer before we, you know, what is what is a healing, really? In a way, it's like saying a prayer for somebody's well-being. Okay, great. And can we call in Jesus to help us with that, or do we have Archangel Michael, or we talk about different helpers and divine help that we could call on for these kinds of things and then so by the time they get into this new method um, if you just follow these simple steps it's very very easy to do because back in the day when we were all taking reiki or even any of these other modalities you know you'd have to go to the master and the master's going to give you this special ceremony to in, in order to do it and i think this is the age of empowerment. You know, we've, this is the information age. We've got all this information, and some people believe like the World Wide Web is like the human Akashic record. It's just out there for everybody to see. So this book really will, you don't need to go to the mountain to visit the master. You have the power within you. If you just follow these little steps, it's super easy. You can do this for yourself by simply following those instructions. And maybe you'll say, hey, wow, this resonates. Or maybe you'll say, well, part of what I'm saying resonates, some doesn't resonate. And I think it's really important that people take a look at all kinds of different things, that you know, all kinds of different methods, different ways of thinking. Because if you like something, that's great. If you don't like something, even that sometimes can be um, a really important part of your journey because it helps form your opinions on what you do like, you know. So if it's resonating at all, I'd say check that out, but check out lots of different things and at at the end of the day, I really want to teach people that when you take any kind of energy healing modality or any kind of spiritual, you read a book or whatever, you know, you should be taking at least one thing out of that. If you can take one thing that you would actually say, hey, that's awesome, I'm going to go use that and make that part of your your daily reality or your weekly reality or whatever, and then you find something else and you say, oh, that works too. And then eventually you kind of compile this little way of doing things that only you can do. Because one of the analogies would be like if we all had, if if we were assigned um, a set of vegetables in a pot and we were all told to go make a soup, we could all make the, the soup with the same ingredients, but each soup would taste different because you're still bringing yourself into the work. And so I'm into like really I want my students to, you know, Yes, okay, here's how I do it, fine. But don't necessarily do it how I do it. Do it how you do it because that's when you really can make a difference in your life. 
I, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. I think it's important to recognize that the role of what we can do to empower ourselves. And I think that the message of self-empowerment is very powerful. It's a very powerful message indeed. In your book, towards the end, you describe your take on the Casey readings and on this particular modality. And I wanted to see if you could share with our audience your concluding remarks about the practicality of employing this modality as compared to what you've had in prior experience and what you find most powerful about this particular energy healing as compared to any others that you've worked with. And I think you've kind of touched on this already, but I just want to make sure for the audience they understand what your opinion is regarding the energy healing from, you know, the Egyptian methodology is comparative to anything else you've done. One thing is this idea of self-empowerment that normally you would have to take lots of expensive classes and go through all this methods and different things. And this is a super simple thing to do. This whole process takes really less than, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes max to do. It seems to be making a very profound impact on a person's energy field. And from the standpoint of when I talked about my more recent experiential experience in the in the healing temple, in the Buddhist temple, you know, I think that energy healing, well, let's just say, if you sit in a temple for eight hours a day for 10 days straight and don't eat or eat much, <laughs> then you're going to have some experiences. Yeah. Can I recommend that for people? No. But you could do the same thing by trying energy modalities because they are also going to shift your energy field, bring you into that state of, of grounding and balance. And I, I think that there is a – I think you're right. I think there's some kind of renaissance here. I've been going to these expos, and I've seen a lot of really young kids, like in their late teens or early 20s, who are just totally gravitating to this material. And so when they come up, they they want to have a healing. They want to buy a book. They're very interested and I say, well, okay, so I'm just curious. I, they've got my sign there. I said, so is it, is it, do you know who Edgar Casey is? Oh, no, I've never heard of him. You know, that's the whole point. I mean, I really think that this information was channeled by Casey 100 years ago from a source that was deeply ancient. And the fact that people are showing such an interest in it now, it's there's no accidents here. And I think that, you know, I would like to, help people to remember Edgar Casey and to perpetuate all of his teachings on into the future so that future generations will will continue to tap into that because there's just still so much information in those life readings that is profound and we know for a fact that it is changing lives in a lot of different ways and I don't, you know, I want the audience to be happy. I don't care if it's through this or whatever means that people can be happy. You know, just any tools that you can find that would help make your life more peaceful, help get you going in the direction that you want to find that inner joy and peace in your life. Um, and also, I just want to point out the work of Edgar Casey because for me, it's been, um, it's just been a joy to work with, and it's something that I'm going to continue to be delving into, I know, for the rest of this life and maybe on the next <laughs> lives, Jason. I don't know. We'll have to see about that. We never know. 
I uh, I think it's amazing that you uh, have this rich reservoir of materials that you've created um, in your in your lifetime. I think it's gonna it's gonna outlive all of us, just like the Agricacia readings have outlived him a hundred years after the fact. We all create a body of knowledge and contribute to that through our own efforts. And I think that that is probably the most important part of all this is that you contributed and, and picked up on this and that, you know, it, it's creating an opportunity for us to plug into something we weren't previously exposed to before. Ancient Egypt's very, Egyptologists have always fascinated me when you, when you see what was accomplished thousands of years ago in far off distant civilizations and the commonalities of the pyramids throughout the world. There's so, just so many things. I think learning how to attune ourselves, getting in touch with nature, being able to utilize such things as song, dance, vibrational frequencies, gemstones, colors, chakras, the different symbols that you talk about in this particular book, the nine symbols. All those things are means for us to manage our life stresses, balance ourselves, and provide an opportunity, I believe, to live the best version of who we are and help others. Um, my last question I want to ask you, uh, looking at everything that you've done with this particular work, what's next for you? What's your next project that, or projects that you are going to start working on? Um, I've got, coming from Llewellyn um, Publishing, in the early part of next year, I've got a new book on past life regression. I've been regressing people for 20 years, but I have not publicly re released a lot of my case studies, and so you're going to see some of those start coming out. I developed a method that assists people in alleviating anxiety, stress, and trauma and depression. So that's going to be coming out. Um, and then meanwhile, the Casey material has caused me to dig in the drawer, and I've got some other healing methods that are that fall into the same new category of healing techniques that this Casey method does. So I'm about to start publishing those as well. So you're going to see those coming out. Great. And then next year I've got several appearances um, with the Edgar Casey Foundation going all over the country teaching this material. And, of course, people can, um, you know, check out my YouTube. I'm going to start adding more to that and my Facebook and stuff. So That's great. Oh, and and one more to, thing i got to tell you. I don't know if we have time, but... Yeah, Josh, absolutely. Please do. On a TV show called Expedition Unknown, this Josh Gates went to Egypt and they just unearthed a high priest from Egypt whose tomb was intact. And when you look in that tomb, it's very similar to the things that are talked about in this book. And it was just done in May. <laughs> and I was freaking out. Wow. It's happening for a reason right now. Synchronicity. <laughs> yes. Anyway, definitely synchronicity. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it sounds really exciting for all parties concerned. I, I, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on. I just want before you, you, you hang up from the show, I, I just want to make sure if our audience wants to reach you, you have a Facebook group, Past Life Lady. Is that right? Yes. Okay, I just joined that by the way earlier, and then you have your website, pastlifelady.com. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Is there any other um, is there any other presence you have on social media that you'd like to bring up or anything else that you would like to raise? So if anyone in my audience would like in our audience would like to contact you or reach out to you, what would be the best yeah. way to do so? 
Facebook is a good one on my Past Life Lady page. I'm on there a lot posting my events. My website, I keep up with my events there. And I've got a YouTube channel, Past Life Lady. I'm going to be releasing some of these, some little videos about this method. And I've got a lot of other videos and things going on on my channel, which will be getting expanded in the future. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Perfect. And I'm Shelly Care on Instagram. Okay, great. Dr. Kerr, I appreciate you coming on our show. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure having you on here. And uh, I just want to let our audience know that this book is highly informative, a great read. It breaks down some complex principles and really lays it out. I thought what you did in this book has really intrigued me to go and research a lot of this stuff for myself and and, and try to employ it in my own practice. And I'm just very impressed with the way you've laid this out. And I just want to congratulate you on this project, and thank you. Jason, you're wonderful, and I just thank you so much for having me back on the show. Um, it's it's just a joy. You and I are of like it's mind. It's always think. a pleasure. We think of yes. alike on a lot of these things, so it's a joy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Please keep us in mind in the future as well. I'm sure there's a lot of other topics. I haven't had anyone on for past life progression yet, and uh, there's a lot of things that you, from reading you know, your stuff and just it's just so so fascinating to me to be able to bring this to our audience and, and, and do so. So I'd love to have you on again and again, but keep us in mind Great. as you, uh, as you work on your other projects, but I'd love to highlight and showcase them. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Okay. Blessings to you, my friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. I just want to thank our audience. Uh, if you did call into the show, we were doing a one-on-one interview and we did run short on time. I did write down your number and I will be calling you after the show to, to help you with any question you had. I just, it's just the interview we had was short in time and I wanted to make sure we covered everything that was in Dr. Kerr's book. In terms of our um, opportunity today and having Dr. Kerr on the phone with this interview, I just want to let the audience know there's a lot of books that come across um, my table, my desk, so to speak, uh, to review for our show. And this is one of those books that, in my opinion, it's, it's so well written. Uh, there's a section from the book that I didn't even get a chance to ask, ask Dr. Kara about. Uh, she laid out in the, the first part of the book, if you've ever been into a metaphysical store, you'll see a lot of things that these stores have. They're very eclectic. They have archangels. They have spices and, and, and essential oils and all these different modalities. What I, one of the things I liked about this book that I didn't even get a chance to touch on is that this particular book lays out a full description of a lot of those concepts. And it's very eclectic. If you're a, a Christian and you're intuitive, you can call on Jesus and, and the Holy Mother if it, or any other particular religion or spiritual belief that you have. I think one of the things I really found that really resonated with me is that you can, you can personalize this stuff and utilize it to your advantage. And I think that's phenomenal. When it comes to this kind of thing, having the ability to be flexible and, and fit it within your own parameters, that's what I feel like a lot of people will find success applying these concepts is when you can internalize it and apply it to that which you already know. So I like that. I also like the fact that this stuff is described in such a way where you can you could literally read it and understand it really well. So those are the things that I think is definitely worth checking out. It's on Amazon.com. 
definitely check it out. It's Edgar Casey's Egyptian Energy Healing, a new and exciting healing technique, and it's written by Dr. Sherry Kerr, and it's with great pleasure that she was on the show today, and it's also co-sponsored by the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is the Edgar Casey Foundation, and I want to thank them for continuing to support Edgar Casey's life mission. Thank you for coming on to the show, and here is our outro. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers, and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns at yahoo.com. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.